we have a great subscription offer for all our listeners. Subscribe to our digital edition for 12 months for just $24.99. That's six issues of our award-winning magazine delivered to your inbox for less than $4.20 an issue. Only $24.99 for a full year. So don't wait. To subscribe, go to australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia. That's australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia. Today, I'm Justin Walker and I'm talking to Ron Moon today from guiding rafters down Tassie's mighty Franklin River to retracing the journeys of early European explorers. Outback travel expert Ron Moon has seen more of Australia than most and he joins us today on Talking Australia. G'day Ron, how are you mate? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Uh, trying to get away again and get away from the uh, the weather down here in Melbourne. But yeah, we're uh, we're stuck here for a little while at the moment. Now, everyone knows you as an outback travel guru, but your life adventures started well before then, didn't it? From when you were in the army, diving and fishing, touring through the country in an old Holden, and then you know guiding rafters down the Franklin and heaps of other stuff. So, can you tell us a bit more about those early days? Yeah, well, look, uh, yeah, I grew up uh, in the Northern Territory and Northern South Australia and um, ended up on the coast at Christie's Beach back in the early 60s and we uh, started spearfishing and, uh, and diving and, and that was my main impetus to travel in those, uh, in those early days, you know, up until yep. I was in my mid-20s, early 30s even. And uh, it was diving that took me all around Australia and... Uh, you know, even to Australian spearfishing championships and all those sorts of things. But they were great times. And, uh, yeah, we crossed the Nullarbor a couple of times in the, in the uh, late 60s, 1967, 68. And, yeah, when it was a dirt road between Sojourna and Norseman and the old FJ Holden <laughs> was clattered across. And, of course, people were doing things like that, you know, and more adventurous even uh, without four-wheel drives or anything. It was just, they were just normal cars, but they had high clearance. We chatted about when I was chatting a few years ago about uh, rafters and guiding rafters down the one of the first commercial trips down the Franklin. I didn't expect to see you in the water, mate. Yeah, well, I, I started to do a bit of photography for Wild Track uh, Adventures, who became part of Peregrine Group. And um, yeah, we sort of went up the Snowy River and uh, the, uh, oh, the headwaters of the Murray, and and then we uh, paddled the Mitchell River up on Cape York. And uh, they were all reckies for to see if they could be made into commercial trips. And um, I remember I led a trip down through the Murray Gates where we almost lost a guy in one of the big rapids there. And um, I came back from that and swore I wouldn't go rafting again. But <laughs> Peregrine, rang, <laughs> Peregrine rang me up and asked me if I'd go down as photographer for their uh, for their recce down the Franklin. And I thought, oh, what an opportunity. I'd love to do that. So, yeah, I went down there again. But I was a very subdued character. I, I got a... <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, especially in the Great Ravine where you've got those big rapids and, uh, you know, you're surrounded by those high cliffs and uh, it was just phenomenal. Man, that sounds awesome. Now, the next thing is when you became editor of 4x4 Australia, you were there for a number of years and then you sort of must have been a bit of a keen reader of the early history of Australian explorers as well because you, you organised and led a number of four-dive expeditions retracing the routes of those early adventurers. Like, can you tell yeah. us a bit more about that? My great, great grandfather uh, went with Charles Sturt on his 1844 expedition into Central Australia. So I've always been 
keenly aware of relations they went through and it was something that I always enjoyed following up and I guess I'd done it in a light-hearted way initially and then I got a bit more uh, serious about it um, further on. And um, when I became editor of 4 by 4 it sort of gave me the opportunity to, to um, go and do those sort of trips uh, with, uh, you know, good equipment and um, a bit of expertise amongst our group and all those sorts of things. So I guess one of the best ones I ever done was uh, uh, the following of the Jardine expedition up on Cape York who when yep. uh, Frank Jardine and a small group of men took 900 cattle up through uh, from Rockhampton, basically, up the west coast of Cape York um, to Somerset and founded Somerset uh, back in the 1860s. So we, we had um, we had the great-grandson of Frank Jardine with us and, um, yeah, it was a fabulous trip. Yeah, lots of challenges and, um, and a lot of stuff like that. Fair bit of cross-country as well, uh, away from any tracks and all those sorts of things. We had a TV crew with us from Channel 7 and, uh, yeah, that was a fabulous trip. Fantastic, mate. Now, speaking of those trips, you're in a forward drive, so obviously it was a lot more comfortable than those early pioneers who did the same on horseback. You must sort of wonder how tough those guys were. Yeah, look, yeah, I've got the greatest admiration for those guys and the, those early explorers who, um, you yeah, went on horseback initially and then uh, later on they got camels and uh, which could withstand the desert uh, environment a lot better. But, um, you know, you only got to go up there yourself and uh, you have a day in the 40s, 40 degrees or whatever, and and you think, I'm going to stay in the car and let the air conditioner keep me cool and uh, we'll just travel like that. And you get out in the afternoon and you think, boy, it's warm. But these guys, you know, were sitting on a horse or walking beside a camel and um, in the blazing hot sun and, uh, you know, somehow they survived and, and, and got through. Yeah, it's it's um, it was it's really something. Uh, the last one I just followed up uh, just recently was the Burke and Wills expedition, and I guess it's probably the best known expedition in Australian history. And uh, but yep. uh, if they hadn't have died, they it wouldn't they wouldn't be anywhere near as famous. That's for sure. <laughs> that's right. That's it. And was it that was it that thirst for knowledge of our country that led you to start writing your uh, popular guidebooks on outback travels to the Flinders and Cape York and the Kimberley and and just how much work was involved in, in writing yeah, those well, guidebooks? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, we went up to Cape York a couple of times and then in 1980 we actually got to the very top and, um, you yeah, know, we were sitting there on the Jardine after having spent three weeks north of the Jardine around Somerset and the very tip and all that sort of stuff and we were sitting on the southern banks of the Jardine and talking to a few people who were heading north and who'd been north as well and, yeah, they were saying, oh, there's nothing to do up here, there's nothing to see and I'm thinking, well geez, I've been up here for three weeks already and uh, <laughs> there's plenty to do. So, yeah, that was the trigger, I guess, to write our first guidebook. That was, And we published that. The first edition of that was about 83 or 84. And uh, we've been writing that ever since. You know, the book went through 14 editions uh, under our, uh, under our uh, brand. And then uh, we, sold, um, we sold our guidebook business to Hammer Maps and we do the same for them. Um, at the moment, I'm, I'm working on a, a series of maps for them uh, on um, on the, the remote coast of South Australia. It might be a bit of a generalisation, but do you worry sometimes about the, the sort of seemingly ignorant urban dwellers these days in Australia who don't realise just how much is out in the country regions of Australia? Yeah, look, um, I mean, 
travel in Australia is booming at the moment, isn't it? And um, yeah, there's a lot of people buying a, a four wheel drive for the first time and buying a camper trailer for the first time, and heading um, and heading bush. And uh, and I love to see that. Yeah, you know, that's one of the main reasons I, I, I like writing and like writing guidebooks and things like that is to motivate people to go out and see this fabulous country of ours. But um, I do despair that uh, some of them um, are biting off more than they chew and they want to run before they can walk, really. And uh, so, you know, they get out there and do silly things and, um, you know, are not well prepared and not well enough experienced to, to go into the remoter places. So it's a concern, that's for sure. Yeah, you definitely recommend a you know, four-wheel drive course and then starting off with shorter trips first, wouldn't you, really? Yeah, my word, mate. Uh, either that or, look, there's a couple of options. Uh, a course is a really good thing to, to start off with. And then I think uh, you either join a club. Um, a lot of people don't like joining a club. So, you know, join a tour operator and um, and head off bush with them and do a couple of trips with a tour operator and get the feel of it. And, and you learn an awful lot. I mean, we, we've just had it. Uh, I ran... Um, I just joined my son on a on a trip that he was running um, up in Central Australia, and yep. yeah, you know, we had to dodge, <laughs> we had to dodge flooded roads and closed roads and all that sort of thing, but we gave the people a, a, a good trip and and they learned things. Yeah, you know, these people have got a lot of equipment and and got really good equipment, but really don't know how to use a lot of it. So um, yeah, we 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 gave them uh, a bit of a brief rundown on how to do winching and you know snapping <laughs> recoveries and and those sorts of things and how to change a tyre and what to look for under the bonnet. and it's Fairly simple stuff if you've been doing this sort of stuff all your life like I have been. But, um, um, you know, for a lot of people, they, they just haven't been exposed to those experiences. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, it's like I've been on a few outback journeys myself and I always wonder, you know, when you're driving in the middle of nowhere, what's on the other side of those sand dunes or behind that ridge to my right and... Yeah. Do you think there's still plenty to see here in Australia in terms of those unique and remote locations that people still haven't seen much of? Yeah, look, uh, obviously uh, it's, it's getting harder and harder to go remote these days because of there's so many people travelling. And uh, a lot of our remoter countries is in Aboriginal land, which takes a fair bit of organising and getting permits for. Not impossible, but it, um, but uh, in a lot of cases, it's um, you know, you've still got to jump through those hoops. And uh, and they and they are fabulous experiences. But once again, you know, you can go. You know, if you if you're new to the game, you shouldn't be going out there initially. And uh, and like I said, you should try and w- walk before you run. And you, you don't want to go and do the Madigan Line or the Canning Stock Route as your first desert experience. You want to try um, a few other smaller smaller trips. Um, yeah, m- maybe along the South Australian Victorian border or uh, yeah, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure, mate. And over the, all those years you've been wandering around Australia, you must have met some amazing characters. Have there been any sort of real standouts? <laughs> oh, dear. Look, yeah, <laughs> look, that's, been, um, it, there's been there's been quite a few. I, I remember interviewing a um, uh, an old stockman or a couple of old stockmen that, um, that drove cattle on the Canning Stock Route back in the 1940s and uh, early 1950s. And... Um, yeah, they, they were enlightening. Yeah, they're just talking with them, and they were tough guys. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, driving a mob of cattle down there, and um, and uh, then hand, you know, hand winding the water up from deep underground uh, in the wells there to to water the cattle, and you know, each cow takes twelve gallons of water, and there's four hundred of them, and all that sort of stuff. That's a lot of water to shift, mate. 
<laughs> it's a lot of water. But most definitely is. Yeah. Most definitely yeah. is. No, we, we've uh, we've had uh, some, gr- you know, I've had the pleasure of meeting and interviewing and talking to and travelling with some great people. Um, Dennis Bartell has been a long-time friend of mine and uh, we've done a couple of trips together and the last one was a few years ago when uh, as part of uh, uh, his uh, celebrating his 40 years of travelling across the Simpson Desert, we went out and done the Madigan line with him. He was the first bloke to successfully drive the Madigan line back yep. in the 70s and um, and um, it was it was part of um, uh, Overlander magazine I was in fact um, Michael Richardson uh, joined him on that trip but Dennis was an incredible bushman and uh, you know he found a lot of uh, Aboriginal wells in the Simpson desert and I don't think there would be anybody alive today who knows the Simpson as well as he we have a special offer for all our listeners. Subscribe to our AG magazine for six months for just $39.99 and save 10% on the newsstand price. That's three issues of our award-winning magazine delivered to your home for just $39.99. You'll find our special subscription offer at australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia. That's australiangeographic.com.au forward slash Talking Australia. And speaking of these these big trips and all these um, guidebooks and things you create, obviously you're not there by yourself. Viv's been by your side the whole time. That must be a must be a joke about the ultimate test of a great marriage, there, mate, for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, look, Viv, Viv and I have uh, travelled uh, together for a long time, and uh, she's really really the backbone of the whole thing, mate. I just try and put words into this thing, and she. <laughs> She keeps me on the straight and narrow and uh, organises things and then proofs reads my stuff. And, uh, and, and then, of course, she's got her own uh, series of uh, cookbooks out as well. And, uh, yep. and in fact, um, she's just bringing out a new, a new cookbook as, a, as an e-book and that'll be available soon on the web and all that sort of thing. So, I mean, um, yeah, so, yeah, she does a fabulous job. I wouldn't be anywhere without her, that's for sure. No, that's great, mate. And, of course, she also has accompanied you overseas and you've done a lot of overland travel in Africa and, and Europe as well and things like that. So it's not just been Australia, has it? No, no. We sort of got tangled up with uh, going overseas. I'd been to Africa quite a few times and then in uh, 2007 we decided we'd uh, run tours in uh, in southern Africa and uh, we took a group of Australians over there and, and um, led them around for three or four weeks in southern Africa. And then um, I, uh, I headed off, and, or Viv and I headed off, and we'd done uh, nine months through Africa, heading from the southernmost tip of Africa through to the northernmost tip. And of course, you get to England after that, and you think, well, we might as well drive. <laughs> up. We're not going to ship, ship the vehicle home. So we drove across Russia and ended up in Vladivostok and, and um, finally got home. And then we thought, well, you know, done all that. We can't, we can't leave the rest of the world out. So then we went and done the Americas. Uh, from the southernmost tip, <laughs> the the southern <laughs> tip of South America to as far north as you can drive in Alaska. And, uh, and you know, that's, that sparked a whole new love affair with, with that sort of thing. And we've got a vehicle in the United States and we go over there for, well, <laughs> we were going over there for, you know, two or three months, four months every year to... Um, to tour Canada and Mexico and, uh, and the United States, but uh, COVID's got in the way for a little while now. Worse luck. Yeah, yeah, that's it, man. I mean, all that overseas travel, it's a long way from Birdsville Hotel, isn't it? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, but there is an awful lot to see in Australia, and an awful lot to experience. And and while travelling overseas is great and all that sort of stuff, you know what I found is that uh, it's 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 easier to be, get remote in Australia than in most other countries in the world. Um, you know, you can get away from people in Australia easier than you can in America, and certainly easier than you can in Europe and things like that. That's a different. I mean, you just look at all the desert country in the middle of our continent. There's, there's not many people there. No, that's right. That's right. And, and I mean, this year, this year, the desert country of Central Australia is just going to be magic. In fact, I was reading a report this morning on the ABC website that the budgerigars are just increasing hugely in numbers up in uh, and big flocks are moving around in Central Australia. And I don't know whether you've ever been privileged enough to stand under a flock of. Uh, couple of thousand budgerigars as they whirl overhead the, the sound of the wings uh, and their chirping is unbelievable and then of course I was uh, in Roma Gorge in the very west of the McDonnell Ranges and I just walked in there and uh, um, it's not a very big gorge or anything like that it's, it's one of the least spectacular gorges of the off the western max still a nice place though and this, I, this big mob of budgerigars just roared up behind me and uh, it was I was absolutely flabbergasted and I was just sort of whoa you know just looking up at it and all of a sudden a falcon done a big stooping dive and threw them and clobbered one of them right above <laughs> my head and it was it was just everything happened so quickly uh, I didn't even think about the camera in fact I was just sort of gobsmacked at the whole uh, the whole scene yeah that's incredible and those, those places to see that sort of thing are they really yeah, 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 and there's yeah things like that. And so this year is going to be an incredible year for Central Australia, and uh, I hope a lot of people get out there and really enjoy it. And you don't have to get off the off uh, on a four wheel drive track. I mean, there's uh, you know the good bitumen roads around Central Australia, and you can spend yeah. easily a couple of weeks wandering through there. And and of course, there's all the you know well known places like uh, Uluru and stuff like that, and Kings Canyon, but. But uh, the gorges of the Western Max and even the Eastern Max are just fabulous. And yeah, just a great experience to be out there. Mate, I'm going to put you on the spot now and ask you what would be, what is your favourite or best off road adventure or outback travel trip you've ever done or would like to do? Oh, well, I really enjoy some of the cross country stuff that we've done going out to, uh, you know, wells that early explorers found. And these are generally native wells that uh, the explorers found and um, and wrote up in their diaries and stuff like that. And they're still extremely remote. And I loved going out to those places. I guess um, I really got a great taste for that back in the late 80s when I joined Glen Ridge on a trip out to Chugakuri, which is south of Balgo in the desert country there. And it's um, Michael Terry was the first European there in the 19, uh, in 1927-28. And... Um, yeah, we we went there in 19, you know, about 50 years later or 60 years later, whatever it was, and um, and um, it was just a fabulous cross-country trip. You know, you, you're down to 40, 50 kilometres a day, you know, quite a few tyre punches, all those sorts of challenges, very yeah. remote country, and um, you get into these little places that are just fantastic. And, uh, um, you know, got got this, you know, incredible history about them of, of Aboriginal occupation and... Uh, and how they survived out there, and then the Europeans who came along and used them as uh, staging spots to to get across the desert. Yeah, oh, that's really incredible. 
Mate, the yeah. other thing is, you know, speaking of trips and the future, what does 2021 and beyond have in store for Ron and Viv Moon? Oh, well, we're doing uh, some travelling in uh, in Australia this year and um, we, we're heading over to uh, Sejuna in uh, in a week's time and uh, in South Australia and then heading up through the Aboriginal lands. <laughs> this has been a real saga because uh, up until yesterday, uh, the Aboriginal lands were all closed. Uh, and yep. uh, they've, just op- they've just reopened a number of the tracks and uh, a number of the communities. So we're heading up uh, on the Connie Sioux and then the Gary Highway um, and um, Talawana track and, um, uh, and we'll end up uh, at Cape Curderan on the northwest coast of Australia, north of Port Hedland. And, um, yeah, so we've got to do that. And then I'll spend a couple of weeks camped on the beach at uh, Ningaloo with some friends. It's, been, <laughs> it's, one of the, it's one of the top places in Australia. Yeah, you can camp on the beach there and the, the reef is just offshore and pristine waters and uh, and all that sort of thing you know we we camped there the first time back in the 70s and, and there was nobody around in those days and now you yeah. got a book and, um, I, I was looking at the campsite for Windabandy Point which is uh, on Ningaloo Station which national parks now run and um yeah, there's 50 odd campsites, and if you don't get in on the first day that they are open for bookings, you don't get a you don't get a site. <laughs> <laughs> Things have changed a bit, but nonetheless, it's still a magical place. Yeah, wow, mate. So it would be hard to say you've probably got the best job in the world, really, would it? Well, you know, I don't know. You've got a pretty good one, mate, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I've got to say, uh, yeah, it beats a real job. I was an electronics technician in the army, and uh, after 20 years of that, I thought, uh, no, I can't handle this anymore. And uh, um, yeah, I'm glad I'm doing what I'm doing. I might it mightn't be rich in in monetary terms, but uh, you're rich in other ways, eh? Hey? Oh, most definitely, mate. I totally agree there. And uh, look, Ron, thanks for your time today. It was great to catch up again. And I'm sure those listening will now be even more keen. Explore Australia now, mate. So have a good one and uh, just take your time travelling around, mate. There's no rush to come back anymore, is there? Yeah, no worries, mate. No, thanks for the opportunity and I just hope some of uh, our listeners get out there and enjoy this fabulous country of ours. For sure. Thanks, Ronnie. Okay, see you, mate. Bye. That's it for today's episode of Talking Australia. If you have questions or comments, feel free to reach out. Write us an email, podcast at australiangeographic.com or find us on Instagram at Australian Geographic. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks for listening. Until next time.